Okay, more random notes to help study for the certified hand therapy exam. What is the origin of the lumbricals? The origin of the lumbricals is at the FDP. What is the insertion of the lumbricals? They insert into the radiolateral bands of the extensor hood. The lumbrical acts as its own antagonist. So again, the origin of the lumbricals is the FDP. It inserts into the radiolateral bands of the extensor hood. And the lumbricals act as their own antagonist. What is uh, the purpose of serial static orthoses? Well, maybe not the function, but what is some one way that they function? Is they're periodically remolded to accommodate changes in joint position? What is phonophoresis? It's using ultrasound to deliver topically applied medications. Tell me about intrinsic tightness of the hand. One way to find out if the intrinsics are tight is that there's decreased PIP flexion when the MCPs are in extension and improved PIP flexion when the MCP is flexed. So again, an indication for intrinsic tightness in the hand is decreased PIP flexion when the MPs are extended and increased or improved PIP flexion when the MCPs are flexed. Tell me about the biomechanics and pathology of the oblique retinacular ligament. With PIP flexion, the ligament relaxes to allow DIP flexion. With PIP extension, the ligament tightens to facilitate DIP extension. So again, with the ORL, when the, with PIP flexion, the ligament relaxes to allow DIP flexion. With PIP extension, the ligament tightens to facilitate DIP extension. Tell me about pathology of the ORL. Contracture causes volar displacement of the lateral bands and a boutonniere deformity. So again, a contracture of the ORL causes volar displacement of the lateral bands and a boutonniere deformity.
Also, the ORL may be reconstructed to treat a swan neck deformity. Tell me about a Barton's fracture. A Barton's fracture is an intraarticular fracture of the distal radius with dislocation of the radiocarpal joint. Again, a Barton's fracture is an intraarticular fracture of the distal radius with dislocation of the radiocarpal joint. The workhorse of the extensor apparatus or the lumbricals are active when? When are the lumbricals, which are also known as, as the workhorse of the extensor apparatus? During extension of the IP joints, independent of MCP position. So again, when are the lumbricals, also known as the workhorse of the extensor apparatus, active? During extension of the IP joints independent of the MCP position. What measurements signify joint tightness? A measurement that signifies joint tightness is when range of motion measurements are unchanged between passive and active range of motion. What is a Rolando fracture? Rolando fracture is a comminuted intraarticular fracture through the first metacarpal base. Again, what is a Rolando fracture? It's a comminuted intraarticular fracture through the first metacarpal base. What is a pseudo Bennett's fracture? A pseudo-Bennett's fracture is also called an epibasal fracture of the thumb, and that is a two-piece fracture of the proximal first metacarpal bone, which is usually stable. So a pseudo-Bennett's fracture is a two-piece fracture of the proximal first metacarpal bone which is usually stable. What are some guidelines for PIP fracture? Closed treatment. A patient is casted for three to four weeks in safe position with the MPs MCPs at 50 to 70 degrees flexion and IPs at zero degrees for base and proximal shaft fractures. After the cast, the emphasis is on composite range of motion of the digits with blocking to the PIP and DIP joints. 
a hand-based safe position splint can include the injured digit and adjacent digit for use when not exercising. NMES can be used to maximize tendon of long excursion of the flexors at P1. I think that was a little confusing. I wonder if that was supposed to be a P1 fracture. Um, okay, I'm not sure right now. Early stages of rheumatoid arthritis. Several joint surface changes and symptoms are apparent which lead to deformity, including joint effusion joint inflammation of synovium-producing synovitis, osteoporosis in the end bones, general fatigue, soreness, stiffness, and aching. Tell me about extrinsic extensor tendon tightness. There is decreased PIP flexion when the MP is extended, so it increased PIP flexion with it when the MP is extended and decreased PIP flexion when the MP is flexed. Give me an example of intrinsic plasty techniques to restore MP flexion due to climb. So examples of intrinsic plasty techniques to restore MCP flexion due to climb include FDS, foretail, ECRL, foretail, those are active transfers. So again, to restore MP flexion due to climb can be an FDS foretail or ECR foretail. A passive technique based on tenodesis principles is the FDS lasso or Zancoli lasso procedure. Okay, for stage one of basal joint osteoarthritis, what are some surgical options? One, beak ligament construction, and two, the Eaton procedure. So again, beak ligament reconstruction or Eaton procedure are appropriate surgical options at stage one of basal joint arthritis. At this point, articular cartilage is intact. These surgeries are used for stabilization. Tell me about hyaluronic acid. Hyaluronic acid is a glycosaminolegycon found in extracellular matrix of skin, cartilage, and synovial fluid. Hyaluronic acid is noted to decrease scar formation and promote healing. Hyaluronic acid is noted to decrease scar formation and promote healing. 
It's a glycosaminoglycan found in the extracellular matrix of skin, cartilage, and synovial fluid. During the initial stage of a burn, i.e. the first 24 to 72 hours, the hand should be elevated to where? The level of the heart, but not above. Above the heart level could limit the blood supply to the hand. Okay, what are the most common sites for ulnar nerve cubital tunnel syndrome? Major sites for... Um, compression. The arcade of Struthers. The two heads of the flexor carpi ulnaris and Osborne's ligament. So again, what are the most common sites of compression for ulnar nerve cubital tunnel syndrome? Arcade of Frosch. Flexor carpi ulnaris, two heads, and Osborne's ligament. Also, the medial head of the triceps. Here's some other places the ulnar nerve can get compressed. Medial head of the triceps, medial intramuscular septum, the medial epicondyle, fascial bands within the flexor carpi ulnaris, Anconius epitrochiaris and the aponeurosis for the flexor digitorum superficialis proximal edge. Tell me about acoustical streaming and ultrasound. Movement of fluid along the cell membrane as a result of mechanical pressure wave. Again, movement of fluid along the cell membrane as a result of a mechanical pressure wave. When performing therapeutic ultrasound, the sound head can be moved to cover an area of skin approximately dot, 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 or blank the size of the sound head about two times the size of the sound head for modern machines. Two to four is the answer, but two is the best. E-R-A means effective radiating area. Tell me about the low median nerve palsy or injury. That's a lesion at the wrist of the low median nerve. Often someone will see the lack of ability to abduct and oppose the thumb. So lack of ability to abduct and oppose the thumb due to paralysis of thinner muscles. Again, ab lack of ability to abduct and oppose the thumb due to paralysis of thinner muscles, there's sensory loss in the thumb, index finger, long finger, and radial aspect of the ring finger. Again, sensory loss in thumb, index finger, long finger, and radial aspect of the ring finger. Paralysis includes abductor pollicis brevis, Flexor 
pollicis brevis, opponent's pollicis, first and second lumbricals, Common causes include a cut to the wrist or carpal dislocation. A hand of benediction is the sign of a low median nerve injury. So again, uh, in a low median nerve injury, the muscles that are tend to be paralyzed are the abductor pollicis brevis, Flexor pollicis brevis, opponent's pollicis, first and second lumbricals, and um, a sign, uh, the hand of benediction is a sign of low median nerve palsy. What are the thenar muscles? What are the thenar muscles? Opponent's pollicis. Abductor pollicis brevis and flexor pollicis brevis. Again, what are the thenar muscles? There are three of them. The opponent's pollicis, the abductor pollicis brevis, and the flexor pollicis brevis. Tell me about the opponent's digiti minimi. The origin is the hook of the hamate. The insertion is the lateral border of the fifth metacarpal. So again, opponent's digiti minimi. The origin is hook of the hamate. The insertion is the lateral border of the fifth metacarpal. The nerve is a deep branch of the ulnar nerve. The action, it produces only a small amount of cupping due to limited motion on the CMC joint. It does flex the MCP joint. What are some principles of ultrasound treatment? First, you need to select frequency, which uh, by thinking about the depth of the target tissue and then you want to select intensity and duration by the size and depth of the target tissue. So for ultrasound, you select the frequency by considering the depth of the target tissue and select the intensity and duration by the size and depth of the target tissue. Here's some other notes about ultrasound. 100% continuous will increase the temperature. 50% continuous means 5 milliseconds on, 5 milliseconds off. 20% continuous means 2 milliseconds on, 8 milliseconds off. 1 megahertz is absorbed into up to 5 centimeters. 3 megahertz is absorbed 2 to 3 centimeters. Okay, what's the term for a skin graft that uses the entire epidermis and a portion of the dermis? A split thickness graft. Tell me about campodactyly. 
Campodactyly is congenital flexion deformity of the PIP joint. What are the medial cord branches of the brachial plexus? The ulnar and median nerves. What is desiccation in regard to wound healing? It means drying out. Does primary healing occur in rigidly immobilized bones? Does primary healing occur in rigidly immobilized bones? Yes. Okay, here's some notes from the purple book. Um, here's something about wound care. The three color concept classifies wounds as red, yellow, or black. Red is a healthy granulating wound. Yellow indicates the presence of exudates or sloth and the need for wound cleansing. And the black wound indicates the presence of escar. If a wound displays two or even three colors at once, it is often referred to as a mixed wound. When a wound is mixed, you should base your intervention on the least desirable color present. For example, in our question, if you have a red, for example, in our question, you have a red, yellow, and black wound. Oh, this is a question in the, in the purple book. Therefore, you should base your strategy on the black wound. An enzyme ointment can be used to treat the black portion of the wound. You can use an antimicrobial ointment for the yellow portion and a simple wound gel for the red portion. Some facilities classify mixed wound colors by percentages. The mixed wound may be treated with different wound products for each color wound area. Okay, here's some more information from the purple book. The fifth finger is the most mobile of all fingers and it is the most vulnerable to the formation of a burn boutonniere. Patients often do not lose their fourth ring and fifth little fingers while performing ADLs. They often do not use, I'm sorry, use, not lose. Patients often do not use their fourth and fifth fingers when performing ADLs. So it's critical for a therapist to encourage the patient to use all fingers when performing ADLs. A fourth degree burn results from extended thermal exposure and involves soft tissues, underlying tendon, joint, and bones. The injured tissue at this depth is charred. Prolonged hot immersion, extended flame contact, and electrical burn injury may show this depth of tissue destruction. Extensive reconstruction procedures are required or more often amputation is a result. Burn depth and hand injury is often mixed. An additional category of burn is a subdermal burn involving complete destruction of all tissue from the epidermis down 
to and through the subcutaneous tissue. Muscle and bone are subject to necrosis when burned. This type of burn occurs with prolonged contact with a heat source and routinely occurs as a result of contact with electricity. Extensive surgical and therapeutic management is necessary to return a patient to some degree of function. Tell me about a first-degree burn. A first-degree burn is confined to the epithelial layer of the skin. Blisters are usually not apparent but may be present. Tell me about a second-degree burn. A second-degree burn is split into superficial second-degree and deep second-degree. Superficial second-degree penetrates into the dermis and is characterized by blisters, thin eschar, and severe pain. Deep second degree burns extend to the depth of the dermis, injuring the hair follicles and sweat glands, and is characterized by moderate eschar, lack of blisters, and less pain due to the superficial nerve endings being burned. First degree burns usually heal within five to 10 days without scarring. Top epidermal layer only is damaged. Nerve endings are intact and usually irritated as a result of the injury. Second degree superficial partial thickness burning typically heals in 14 to 21 days with minimal scar. Appearance is wet. Thick blisters are usually seen. Pain is still intact and blanching is still present throughout the wound injury of the entire epidermis and a small upper portion of the papillary dermis. Second degree burn or deep partial thickness burn injury of the entire epidermis and a small upper portion of the papillary dermis and may reach into the reticular dermis. So again, that second degree or deep partial thickness burn injury includes the entire epidermis and a small upper portion of the papillary dermis may reach into the reticular dermis. Longer time healing may be three to four weeks. It usually requires some grafting. Scarring potential is high if delayed. Healing is longer than 14 days. Tell me about a third degree burn. Third degree is a full thickness burn that destroys the entire dermis and its potential for healing. It has thick inelastic eschar and is not painful. So third degree burns are not painful. A skin graft will be required. Fourth degree burn. The burn results from prolonged thermal contact and will involve underlying structures. Okay. Um, what is chilblains? Chilblains is the mildest form of cold injury. They occur when individuals are exposed repeatedly to cold temperatures above freezing um, with limited protection. So chilblains are the mildest form of cold injury. They occur when individuals are exposed to the cold temperature 
above freezing with limited protection. Acute forms are often resolved within a week, but the condition can become chronic. Okay. What are immersion injuries with relationship to cold? Immersion injuries occur from exposing an extremity to wet and cold temperatures above freezing. Common sequelae from immersion injuries are Raynaud's phenomenon, hyperhidrosis, muscle wasting, and cold sensitivity. So that's an immersion injury. What is frostbite? Frostbite is defined as a freezing of the tissues with accompanying ice crystal formation leading to tissue injury and death. Tissue freezes at approximately negative 2 degrees Celsius. The body's normal temperature at its core is 37 degrees Celsius or 98.6 degrees Celsius. What are the most common long-term symptoms after cold injury? They are excessive sweating, pain, cold extremities, numbness, abnormal color, I'm sorry, abnormal skin color, and stiff joints. What is a hematoma? A hematoma is a collection of blood from a blood vessel outside of a blood vessel. According to the rule of nines, the hand constitutes what percentage of the total body surface? 3%.